Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to our Ulum al Quran series. And we, uh, inshallah, move into the sixth day of our series. And we were discussing the causes of revelation for each of the verses. Why uh, do why is each verse revealed? And as we mentioned that not every single verse has a cause for revelation. Some verses came down just like that of the Quran. But there are many, many verses. And that is a science in its own to uh, be able to discuss which verse, uh, the verses which were revealed for a particular cause, what they are. So uh, in order to move on, we discussed yesterday that the way to find out what this is and which verse, what's the source of this information are the hadiths. So sometimes you may have conflicts. So in that case, conflict has to uh, two causes that are being mentioned, two circumstances that are being mentioned. You take the one that is stronger, generally, as we explained to you in the story yesterday about which way to face in Qibla. Now, the second point here is that sometimes there are actually more than one cause for a particular verse. So there are several incidents, meaning more than one incident, one, more than one circumstance for which one of the verses of the Quran have been revealed for. So again, down there we would have to check that which is the strongest of the narrations. If they're all strong, then it could be that it was uh, revealed for more than one cause. So for example, there's a verse in the Quran about li'an. Uh, li'an means the case where a husband accuses his wife of fornication and that the child is not his. That's where he... Uh, because by default in a marriage any child that's born is attributed to the husband and for the husband to deny that the child is his would have to go through this specific procedure which is considered the li'an procedure in which they have to curse um, the, uh, each, uh, each of the two have to curse the other ones in order to say that they're lying so it's, it's this procedure that's mentioned in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ يَرْمُونَ أَزْوَاجَهُمْ وَلَمْ يَكُلْ لَهُمْ شُهَدَ So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses this in the Quran. Now Imam Bukhari has related that this verse was about li'an, uh, mutual deprecation, mutual, um, uh, mutual cursing one another, has been revealed about Hilal ibn Umayyah radiyallahu anhu when he accused his wife uh, by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this is the verse that was revealed. That's in Bukhari. Then there's another hadith which Imam Bukhari and Muslim relate from Uwaymir al-Ijlani. Uwaymir al-Ijlani. And he asked the Prophet ﷺ a question. He said that if there's a man who finds another, uh, another man with his wife, what should, you know, and then there's this whole discussion. So the Prophet ﷺ on that occasion actually said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed, uh, uh, revealed regarding this uh, regarding you and your wife in the Quran. So now it seems like there are two causes which are being mentioned for the same verse and it was the same verse that was uh, discussed there. Now in this case they're actually both sahih, they're both valid, they're both correct because both of these incidents they took place uh, very close to one another around the same time so that's why the verses came down. That's why Imam Nawawi the great muhaddith, the great hadith scholar, says that actually the first incident took place was that of Hilal. And that corresponded or coincided with Uwaymir coming to the Prophet uh, coming to the Prophet and asking the same question. So then the verse was revealed and that, that is why it was relevant to both. And this is exactly what Al-Imam Al-Khatib 
says the same thing that perhaps the idea is that they both occurred at the same time. Right, then to, uh, to, to, to move on, Imam Zarkashi says that sometimes there'll be one verse which will actually be revealed twice. So we were talking about one verse that was revealed for many causes. Some verses of the Quran are such that they were revealed more than once. There's a discussion regarding that about Fatiha. Surah Al-Fatiha was revealed twice, not just once. Likewise, why would that happen? So one of the reasons for that happening, Imam Zarkashi says, is could be because of ta'zim al-lishani to really, really emphasize the importance of that verse. Or to remind the Prophet about that verse being relevant to this situation. It's already been revealed before about another circumstance or without a different circumstance, but it incorporated an answer to this new circumstance. And the Prophet was just reminded that, look, this is the verse for it. There's a, again, I'll give you an example. In Bukhari and Muslim, they relate uh, from Abdullah ibn Mas'ud anhu regarding the regarding the verse which I read to you before which is in uh, Surah, uh, Surah Bani Israel that it was there are two incidents related about this and it seems like this verse was then revealed twice so the first thing in Bukhari it mentions that it was revealed when the Jews asked about the spirit when the Jews asked about the spirit Right? While the Prophet ﷺ was in Medina Munawwara, this verse is in a Makki surah. So that means it's earlier, right? which is agreed upon that the surah that it's in, which is uh, uh, Subhanallah, right? Surah Bani Israel. That's a Makki surah. Yeah. So it's in Surah Bani Israel. That's, in, that's a Makki surah. But you see, the Mushrikeen, if you remember the story I told a few days ago, the Mushrikeen, which means the polytheists of Makkah, they had also asked this question along with the questions about Dhul Qarnayn and the people of the Kahf. And those incidents are mentioned in Surah Al-Kahf themselves. So it looks like while it was mentioned there already, when the Jews actually asked the question again, this was just a reminder. That's why you have two hadith about this. So you could have it that way as well. Now, the other thing is that let's just say that there is a verse that has been revealed, as many verses have been revealed, about a particular cause. Is it restricted to that circumstance? Or can you then apply it universally on all other circumstances related to that? Or does it have to be specifically about that circumstance? So, that depends on the nature of the circumstance and the wording that's been used there in the Quran. Okay, so I'll give you an example. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Wal-Layli Idha Yagsha, that the one with the greatest amount of taqwa, the one with a superior amount of God consciousness will be saved from the hellfire. Right? He is the one who gives uh, his wealth to purify himself. Now, this is really interesting that he says, Al-Atqa. Now, I'm not going into the Arabic of this, but if you understood Arabic, you'll know that Al-Atqa means the specific person who is of that nature. So this is this Arif Lam here is giving an understanding that it's about a particular person. And there's an Ijma, which means a consensus and an agreement among everybody that this was revealed about Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. So the next time you're reciting وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا يَغْشَى And when you get to وَسَيُجَنَّبُهُ الْأَتْقَى That the, uh, the, the one who's going to be saved from the hellfire and so on, the punishment, right, is the one with the cleanest heart, the one with the greatest amount of God consciousness and taqwa. That is talking about Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu.
That's why, uh, based on this, one of the great commentators of the Quran, Fakhruddin al-Razi, he says that uh, another verse in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna akramakum indallahi atqakum, that the very the most noble of you, according to Allah, is the one with the greatest taqwa. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse of Surah Al-Layl has described Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu as the one with the greatest taqwa, which basically means that he must be the most benevolent and honored one as well in Allah's sight. And from there he's saying that after the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the most superior individual right, among humanity uh, out of the, after the Prophets is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, uh, is Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu. There, there are some scholars who say, no, this is a general uh, statement. It's not specifically about Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu, and it can be about anybody. But the problem is that if you look at the way that Arabic is, that وَسَيُّجَنَّبُهَا الْأَتْقَى الَّذِي يُؤْتِي مَا لَهُ They've got a whole description and detail there that this cannot be general. This is, specific, uh, this is speaking about a very specific individual, and that is Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu. I'm not going to go into... Uh, you know, the grammatical deconstruction of this to explain to you why that, that is the case. The ulama will be able to understand that and they can, they can also check it up. But that's, that is just to give you an idea that sometimes it's very specific. It's not going to be applied anywhere else. However, there is many, mo probably most of them are such that although the verse was revealed about a particular incident, now it's applicable everywhere. Right, and you can use that in all different situations to inform uh, in in that situation, um, and this is agreed upon by the jurists, the 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 usulis, uh, the people who deal with legal theory, the mufassirin, which means the commentators and so on. And they call this, they say, and I'm just going to say this to you so that you get uh, aware, you become aware of the language here. They say, أن العبرة لعموم اللفظي. لا لخصوص خصوص السبب العبرة لعموم اللفظ لا لخصوص السبب خصوص السبب means particular circumstance and عموم اللفظ means the universal application of the words so while it did come out regarding a very specific incident that something happened and that's why this verse was revealed but now it's applied wherever the, its scope is it can be applied to any situation now and there's lots of these, there's lots of these verses, I said. For example, Imam Muhammad ibn Ka'ab al-Quradi says that a verse is revealed about a certain individual sometimes, but then after that, it becomes applicable to everybody with those same characteristics. For example, there was a person called Najda al-Hanafi, uh, probably a student of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu. And he asked Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu regarding the verse in the Quran, Right? This is the verse regarding the male and female thief, those who are guilty of theft, then their hands are cut, right? In an Islamic state, that's what would happen. Is this specific regarding the incident about which this was revealed, meaning when a person, when a specific individual uh, was guilty of theft in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, this verse was revealed? Or is this universally applicable everywhere now? Like, if anybody else steals, will this be applied as well? He said, Am, it's, it's uh, universally applicable, and that's why the Muslim states would use that verse, right? So this gives you an idea as well. Likewise, Imam Zarkashi, he says that um, 
there's numerous verses that come sometimes for different scenarios and there's an agreement that they can apply to many different scenarios because the Quran is a guidance for everyone. It's a guidance for many situations, not for really just specific situations. For example, there's uh, the Ayatul Li'an that we just discussed about the husband denying that the child is his. That would be now applicable to everybody, even though it came down for two people, Hilal ibn Umayyah and Uwaymir. But now anybody who wants to do that, it will be the same procedure for them. Likewise, there's those who had slandered Aisha radiallahu anha uh, about uh, her being unchaste. Um, uh, and in Surah An-Nur, the whole thing is discussed. There's 10 verses that are discussed there, right? That while the whole discussion is there regarding Aisha radiallahu anha and her slanderers and what their punishment should be and so on and so forth, it's applicable universally. It's not just about that. And that's, that's what you're going to find in the Quran most of the time. So I think that's enough of a discussion about this. I think what I'll leave you with uh, for those who understand Arabic, I'm not sure if there's a book translated into English regarding this subject, but there are several, uh, th there are quite a few books in Arabic regarding Asbabun Nuzul. And I would probably say that you can find Asbabun Nuzul, the causes for the revelation, what are the reasons for why a verse, the stories behind the verses, you can call it, right? The circumstance beca because of which, you know, a certain surah, like for example, um, uh, What's the reason for why that surah was revealed? I mean, most of you will know why. Most of you would actually know why that surah was revealed, right? It was revealed because of Abu Lahab, right? You would probably know that already. Where you'll find this information is in the books of Tafsir, right? Especially those tafsir that are based on uh, just explanations from hadith. So they generally mention this. It's also found in books of hadith. And there are scholars who have actually written separate books on this subject. Probably the first book that was written, right? You know, we, we like to mention first because mashallah, these people are pioneers. One of the first people to write on this was somebody who died in 234 Hijri which basically makes him about 1,200 years ago. Somebody wrote the first book on this, and this is Imam Ali ibn Abdullah al-Madini. Ali al-Madini, great hadith scholar. He wrote this, and after that, numerous other people started to compile them. But nobody's done an absolute thorough job where they've got every single one, it seems. Right? Because um, after that, two of the most uh, well-known, right, that pretty much everybody goes to when they want to learn about Asbab al-Nuzul, right, the first of those really famous ones, not Ali ibn al-Madini, that was the first one, but the most famous one is by, and you should remember this, it's Imam Wahidi. It comes from the term Wahid, which means one, right? Wahidi. Imam Wahidi, his name was Abu al-Hussein, Ali ibn Ahmad, and Nishapuri. So he's from Nishapur in Iran, right? Current day Iran, but more well known as Wahidi, who died in 427 Hijri, right? So about nearly 200 years after Ali ibn al-Madini. And as I said, most uh, would rely uh, on his and then the second one which is the most famous one is Lubab al-Nuqul fi asbabin nuzul right the choicest of the transmission with regards to the causes of revelation and this is by none other than Imam al-Hafiz al-Muhaddith right I mean he's an Imam he's a Hadith scholar he's a Hafiz of Hadith he'd memorized most of the Hadith Jalaluddin Abdurrahman al-Suyuti He's an Egyptian scholar who died in 9-11 Hijri, 
9-11 Hijri and mashallah uh, it's a very very extensive work however uh, for those who are looking into it there are two criticisms regarding the book there are two criticisms re regarding the book number one he doesn't reference everything properly he re well he references everything to its source but he does not tell you whether it's sahih whether it's uh, authenticated or weak or whatever and he leaves that to the original books from which he's taken from whereas those original books are not necessarily easily found by everybody so it's difficult for people to work them out maybe somebody has done uh, a work to uh, what do you call it to um, add this missing section you know uh, number two uh, there's quite a few that he's missed out so while he's got a lot of them in there Right, there's quite a few that he has missed out. That's why it seems like maybe there is a space for another book on this subject that is will incorporate everything, taking from the hadiths and the uh, the hadith collections and the tafsirs and so on. That ends our discussion for asbabun nuzul. As I said, I always get really excited when I learn a sababun nuzul of the verse because it tells you why the verse was revealed. Okay, number uh, our our next our next uh, topic that we're going to cover today. And this will probably take us about two days to cover this today and tomorrow. This is regarding a really interesting topic of the Meccan verses and the Medinan verses. The Meccan surahs, the Medinan surahs, right? That, I used to wonder, what, you know, when you, when you start the, the surah in the Quran, it says surah Baqarah Madaniyah, for example. That it's a Madani surah. What relevance does this have? What is the importance of this and what does it provide for us? What's the benefit we get out of knowing this? And how do you even define something as Makki and Madani? Right? How, what, what exactly, what is the criteria of a verse being Madani? Of being Madinan or Meccan? I mean, you would probably assume that uh, anything that was revealed in Makkah would be Makki. And anything that would be revealed in Madinan, Medina would be Madani. I mean, that's kind of the simple way to look at this, right? However, what's going on here is that there are actually three... Uh, uh, ulama have discussed three uh, criteria for this, right? To determine this, they've got three different criteria for this. Now, um, not three different criteria, but they've got there are three opinions about this. Let's say, and I think the the first one is what really matters for us. What it is is that anything that was revealed before the migration, right? anything that was revealed before the migration to Medina Munawwara is considered a Makki verse or surah, and anything that was revealed after reaching Medina Munawwara, after the migration, is a Madani. This is actually the most uh, widespread and well-known criteria for Makkan and Mad um, uh, Makki and Madani verses. And the benefit of this particular one is that it's a very straightforward criteria. Every verse will be very easily categorized in either Makki or Madani in this case. Just look at it. Was it revealed earlier on, before migration or after migration? As I said, there's a verse that was revealed in Makkah Mukarramah, but in the Madani period, right? So after the migration, when the Prophet went back for his Hajj al-Wida, there was a verse that was revealed. I mentioned it, I, th I think it was yesterday or the day before. Anybody recall the verse? It was, it was revealed in Arafah, right? Uh, uh, just a few months before the Prophet passed away in Hajj. الْيَوْمَ أَكْمَلْتُ لَكُمْ دِينَكُمْ وَأَتْمَمْتُ عَلَيْكُمْ نِعْمَتِي وَرَضِيتُ لَكُمُ الْإِسْلَامَ دِينَ Today I have completed your faith for you. That verse was revealed in Makkah Mukarramah but after the migration. If the Prophet is uh, you know, in Medina Munawwara but he's now gone out for an expedition to one of the battles or something like that then even that will be considered still a Madani verse even though it was not revealed physically, geographically in Medina Munawwara. 
For example, there is a narration from Yahya ibn Salam. He says that whatever is revealed in Mecca and whatever was also re re revealed on their way to Medina Munawwara, that's answering that question I raised earlier. Whatever was revealed in Mecca and also on his way to Medina Munawwara. Remember, the Prophet also migrated. So on his migration, if there was a revelation, a verse that was revealed at that time as well, before the Prophet reached Medina Munawwara, that's a Makki verse. So Medina verses will only start once the Prophet sets foot in Medina Munawwara. That's the first view, which is the strongest view, and that's the one you just have to remember. The second view is that the Makki verse is that which was revealed in Makkah, even if it was after the migration. So if the Prophet went back to Makkah and the verse revealed in Makkah there, that's a Makki verse. This is a geographical this one is based on the geographical location. And the Madani would be the one that was revealed in Medina Munawwara. So this, is, this opinion is based on a geographical location. But the problem with this is that, um, okay, so anything which is close to Makkah, they would include in that. So for example, if something was revealed in Arafah, now Arafah is not part of Makkah. It's outside Makkah Mukarramah, right? So anything that was revealed there or that was revealed in Mina, then that would be called Makki as well, right? And likewise, if anything was revealed just outside of Medina Munawwara, Uhud is just outside Medina Munawwara. It's, it's, it's probably it's the barri uh, the, one of the boundaries. And then there's another, uh, another mountain called Salah. That's also boundary of Medina Munawwara. That would also be called Medina. Uh, that would also be Medina Munawwara, right? However, it leaves a gap in between for those that were neither here neither there, because there were some that 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 were revealed to him further out that were not close to Mecca or close to Medina Munawwara. So that would be where you would say they're neither Mecca, Makki verses, and they are neither Madani verses. That would be what you'd have to do in this case. The third opinion is a really interesting one. It's, it's not a very thorough opinion though. It, it, there's lots of verses that you won't, be able to you won't be able to decide about in this case. If the address in the verse is to the people of Makkah, then it's a Makki verse. And if, the, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing the people of Medina, Munawwara, then it's a Madani verse. Some say that this is exactly what Abdullah ibn Mas'ud anhu meant when he said that every verse in which it says, Ya ayyuhan nas, every surah in which Allah says, Ya ayyuhan nas, that's a Makki surah. And everything that he said in which Allah says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, then that's a madani. Why the difference? Ya ayyuhal nas means, O oh people. So in Makkah Mukarramah, people were not all Muslim, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing them, O oh people, do this. O oh people, fear Allah. O oh people, uh, you know, fear the, fear the hereafter, and so on. But once you're in Medina Munawwara, the address uh, is directly to the, the Muslims now, because Medina Munawwara is full of Muslims. That's why, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, O oh people who believe. So the problem with this one, as I said, is that there's going to be a lot of verses where this is not going to apply because not every surah has Ya Ayyuhal Nas or Ya Ayyuhal, ya ayyuhal Ladina Amanu. That's why let's just uh, go with the first opinion, which is that anything before migration and anything after migration is what di distinguishes the two. Uh, and that is what's well known and that is what's been accepted among the ulama as well. But I'm just going to tell you that because you may read in a certain book that this is a criteria. So at least you know how to determine this. Now.
if we take that first criteria about before and after migration, how many surahs are Makki? How many surahs are Madani? Does anybody know which one, which, uh, does anybody know what the majority of surahs in the Quran are? Are they Makki or Madani? Remember, the Prophet ﷺ stayed in the Meccan period for 13 years of his life. The last 10 years, so it's 13 compared to 10. 10 is how long he spent in Medina Munawwara. So does anybody know if there are more surahs revealed in Mecca or Medina Munawwara? So apparently according to this definition, the, the, the one that we've uh, adopted, there are only 29 surahs that are Medina surahs. 29 surahs that are Medina surahs. Otherwise all the rest are Meccan surahs. But you have to remember that Surah Al-Baqarah, which is, mashallah, the biggest surah, is a Medinan surah. So you've got some big surahs which are Medinan surahs as well. However, when we say that this is a Makkan surah or a Medinan surah, it does not necessarily mean that the entire surah is Makki or Madani. It's only if the surah begins with the verses that were revealed in Medina, that whole surah is going to be called Madani. And if the first verses were revealed in Makkah, then the whole surah is going to be called Makki. Even though there's going to be verses in there that were revealed in the other place, or after, or before. So remember that you can never just say at the beginning of the surah it says it's Makki, so every verse in here must be Makki. Like for example in Surah Al-Baqarah, that it's all Madani. No, not necessarily. Why do we need to know this? What is the benefit of knowing... Uh, what's a Makki Surah and what's a Madani Surah? What's the particular benefit about this? I think there's lots of benefits. You can tell which verse was revealed earlier, which was revealed later. And as I've told you before, I've not talked about this in depth yet, but the concept of abrogation where initially a certain ruling came down saying something uh, to maybe facilitate and prepare the situation. Then after that, there was another, uh, another verse that came down later, uh, you know, changing the hukum. Right, changing the hukum. So if you know what's Makki Madani, you'll know what came first, you'll know what came later. The other, so what it really helps, especially it helps those people who are dealing with the laws of Islam, the legal aspect of Islam, it tells you how the whole legislative system of Islam works or how it developed. That initially this was the ruling and then after that this became the ruling. That initially, for example, if a person died, he needed to leave a will to say that his wife will be able to stay in the house for a year. But after that, that was abrogated and she just got a portion of the inheritance instead. So that, that, all of this is what you, you benefit from. Now, how, do we, how are we going to recognize what's a Makki and Madani? We've got some idea above that if it says, Ya Ayyuhannas, that's probably Makki. If it's Ya Ayyuhalladheena Amanu, it's Madani. But again, that's not, an over, uh, that's not an overarching criteria because there are verses that were revealed in Madina Munawwara that says, Ya Ayyuhannas, as well. So you can't just blindly say that. The, way to discuss, the, the, the only way to really figure out, well, there's two ways to figure out what's a Makki and a Madni verse. The first way and the primary way, right, is through transmission, through uh, what we learned from the Prophet ﷺ and the Sahaba, right? Because if somebody's related that I was with the Prophet ﷺ when this particular verse was revealed, or this was the occasion, Right? The Prophet ﷺ was traveling and there was this uh, desert Arab who came and he did this and then this verse was ca came down. Then you obviously know where that was revealed. However, um, so you'll know that through the Sahaba and the Tabi'een. That's how you'll figure this out. For example, Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim has related from Ibn Mas'ud anhu. Uh, because you see, these Sahaba, 
some of them knew all of these causes of revelation. They'd, they'd figured it out. I've told you about Abdullah ibn Masood that he really had all of this under wraps. So he's got a hadith in Bukhari and Muslim where he says that by the one who there is no God besides, right? In the book of Allah, there's no surah except that I know exactly where it was revealed. And there's no ayah in the Quran except that I know regarding what it was revealed. He had really, really studied this and compiled it so he knew it exactly. Likewise, Abu Ayyub al-Sakhtiyani, Ayyub al-Sakhtiyani, he says that there was a person who asked Ikrimah, who's one of the early commentators of the Quran, about a verse of the Quran. He asked him this particular verse. So he said, this verse of the Quran was revealed at the side of this mountain. And he pointed towards the Salah mountain. So he knew exactly where that ver verse was revealed. Right? This is Abu Nu'im has related this. I mean, that's not far-fetched. I mean, they were always with the Prophet ﷺ. They would know about this, right? However, there's another way of figuring this out. And that is using, your, using reason. So uh, as long as a person has a complete understanding of all the other verses, the ones that there's something related from the Sahaba about, they'll be able to probably figure out Makki and Madani and also by some other signs and main features that are part of Madani surahs and main features that are part of, Mad uh, of Makki surahs. And I will uh, mention some of them to you today and the rest of them we'll be talking about tomorrow. So this, these are Christ. Now, when you're reading the Quran, these are some signs, okay? They're only signs, right? They, they're not 100%. They're signs. Some of these are 100%, some of them aren't. They will tell you whether this is a Makki surah or whether this is a Madani surah. For example, if we say in Surah Al-Tahreem, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu ku anfusakum wa ahlikum nara O people who believe, protect ku anfusakum, protect yourself, safeguard yourself and your family from the hellfire. What do you think that surah is? Madani or Makki? Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu ku anfusakum It's a Madani, right? You're right, it's a Madani surah. Okay? Because it's talking about Yahya so you think that this would be Madani, that would be your first guess. So anyway, the first opinion I said is Yahya Nas Makki, Yahya Amanu Madani. However, this is not across the board. Let's show you there are a few exceptions to this. And if you know the exceptions, then you'll be able to work the rest out if you know the exceptions. So there are two places in Surah Al Baqarah where Yahya Nas right, are actually Madani. So Surah Al-Baqarah is a Madani Surah anyway for the most part. The, even though it has Ya Ayyuhan Nas, it's still Madani. So Ya Ayyuhan Nas u'budu rabbakum alladhi khalaqakum walladhina min qablikum verse 21. And the second is verse 168 where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Ya Ayyuhan Nas ukulu mimma fil ardi halalan tayyiba. These verses are these are supposed to be, according to the normal sign, when Ya Yuhannas comes, you're supposed to consider them to be Makkan verses. But these two in Surah Al-Baqarah are considered to be Medinan verses. These are exceptions. Also, there are four places, four places in Surah Al-Nisa, which again, you would think that they're Makki, but they're actually Medinan verses. And what are they? Ya Ayyuhannas uttaqu rabbakum. The other one is If he wants, he can remove you, O people, and he can bring another group. 
Ya Yuhannas, Ay Yuhannas is mentioned there, but it's actually Medinan. And likewise, the other verse, third verse, Ya Ayyuhannas, Qadjaakumur Rasulu bil Haqqi min Rabbikum. O people, O people, the Messenger has come to you with the truth from his Lord. And the last verse is, Ya Ayyuhannas, Qadjaakum Burhanun. O people, has, there has come to you the Burhan, the proof, the evidence. So these are Medinan, even though it's Ya Yuhannas. Okay. Now the next one is a bit easier to understand. Every surah, right, every surah that has huruf muqatta'a at the beginning. What is huruf muqatta'a? Which means the separated letters, right? What are they? Alif, Lam, Mim, Taseen, Yaseen, Noon, Saad, all of those, Hamim, Taseen, Mim, all of these are called huruf muqatta'at. Right? Just letters. Because they're not a word, are they? Alif Lamim is not necessarily a word. It's just three letters. Noon is not a word. It's just one letter. Every surah that starts with one of those is a Makki surah. Except two surahs. There's two surahs which are Madani surahs. All the others, Makki. What are the two surahs? Surah Baqarah, Surah Ali Imran. Alif Lamim, Dharik al Kitab al Bafi. And what's Surah Ali Imran? How does that begin? Alif Lamim, Allahu la ilaha illa wal hayyul qayyum. Those two are Madinan. But all the others, Noon wal Qalami wa ma yasturoon, Yaseen wal Qur'an al-Hakim, Saad wal Qur'an al-Majid, Qaf, Hamim, all of those are Makki surahs. Number three, anything in which the word Kalla, the expression Kalla appears, that's a Makki surah. What does Kalla mean? Kalla means nay, never, no. It's like a rebut, a refusal. That is generally responding to the people in Makkah, the Quraysh uh, and, and, and so on, who would maybe ask for something or challenge something and Allah would say, Kalla. So anything that has Kalla in there will be a Makki Surah. Number four, anything in which there is the mention of Adam and Iblis, the story of Adam and Iblis, that's a Makki Surah, except the first Surah of the Quran, Surah Al-Baqarah. In Surah Al-Baqarah, there's the whole story of Adam and Iblis, right? But that's a Madani Surah, but every other Surah, for example, Surah Al-An'am, Alif Lam Mim Saad, Kitabun, that, that's Surah Al-A'raf, sorry. Alif Lam Mim Saad, in the eighth juz, that's Surah Al-A'raf, that one has a big story of Adam and Iblis, and there's many other surahs. All of those are going to be considered to be Makki surahs, except Surah Al-Baqarah. If you just remember, Surah Al-Baqarah is the last, largest surah, right, that it's supposed to be a Madinan surah, then all of this becomes easy. Okay, number five. If there's any surah in which an obligation is mentioned, like do this, um, this is necessary for you, like salat or whatever, then generally that's going to be a Madinan surah. Because most of the ahkam, most of the rules, the laws, were revealed in Makkah Mukarramah, like fasting, for example. Right? Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu kutiba alaykum al-siyam kama kutiba ala alladheena min qablikum la'allakum tattakoon. That is in which surah? Surah Al-Baqarah. And that's a Madinan surah anyway, because the laws were generally applied in Madinah Munawwara. Okay, I'm going to ask you guys a question. The sixth one says, every surah in which the munafiqeen are mentioned, would that be Makki or Madani? Where were the munafiqeen? 
they're going to be in Medina. They're not in Makkah, right? So the Munafiqeen came up in Medina Munawwara. So that's why most likely that surah is going to be a Madani surah, okay? Except, for example, Surah Al-Hadid discusses the Munafiqeen. But there's one surah in which Munafiqeen are discussed, but it's a Makki surah, and that is Surah Al-Ankabut. Surah Al-Ankabut is a Makki surah, all the others are Madani surahs. Now, why are all of these signs that kind of work? Is because they were the relevant kind of points for Makkah Mukarramah and relevant points for Medina Munawwara. There were Munafiqeen in Medina Munawwara, not in Makkah Mukarramah. That's why the discussion is going to be there. Laws after Islam was established thereafter in Medina Munawwara, that's when the laws came down. So, that's why you have all of this. I've already explained to you, Ya Yuhannas, I've explained to you, Kalla and all of these. Now, the next point to discuss is... I'm just going to introduce to you to this today because this is a longer discussion and this is a really, really interesting and beautiful discussion. I'll just give you one or two examples today because our time is nearly up and then we'll continue this discussion tomorrow. What us, you know, we discussed the, how to identify, you know, to uh, somewhat the Makki and Madani verses. Now let us discuss the content of Makki surahs and Madinan surahs. Generally in a Makki surah, what are you going to find? And what are you going to find in Medinan surahs? What's the subject matter? What is the message in there? Number one, if the discussion generally is about reinforcing the faith and establishing the faith, inviting people to the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and saying that you must only worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you must focus and worship, uh, sorry, you must focus and believe in the hereafter and paradise and hellfire and discussing the importance of the Prophet ﷺ being the messenger and likewise, you know, uh, after all the, pro uh, all the prophets before him and also talking about belief in the angels then the assumption is that this surah will be from Makkah or Medina Munawwara it's talking about the absolute basics it's going to be Makkah normally, right? because these were the main points that were uh, trying to be established in the beginning after in Medina Munawara, all of these things were clear. People believed in the hereafter. People believed in the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Give you a few examples. We'll take verse Surah Al-Qasas, verse 69 to 73. Right? Surah Al-Qasas, verse 69 to 73. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَرَبُّكَ يَعْلَمُ مَا تُكِنُّ صُدُورُهُمْ وَمَا يُعْلِنُونَ وَهُوَ اللَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُوَ لَهُ الْحَمْدُ فِي الْأُولَى وَالْآخِرَةِ وَلَهُ الْحُكْمُ وَإِلَيْهِ تُرْجَعُونَ قُلْ أَرَأَيْتُمْ إِنْ جَعَلَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكُمُ اللَّيْلَ سَرْمَدًا إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ مَنْ إِلَهٌ غَيْرُ اللَّهِ يَأْتِيكُمْ بِضِيَاءٍ أَفَلَا تَسْمَعُونَ قُلْ أَرَأَيْتُمْ إِنْ جَعَلَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكُمُ النَّهَارَ سَرْمَدًا إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ مَنْ إِلَهٌ غَيْرُ اللَّهِ يَأْتِيكُمْ بِلَيْلٍ يَأْتِيكُمْ بِلَيْلٍ تَسْكُنُونَ فِيهِ أَفَلَا تُبْصِرُونَ وَمِنْ رَحْمَتِهِ جَعَلَ لَكُمُ اللَّيْلَ وَالنَّهَارَ لِتَسْكُنُوا فِيهِ وَلِتَبْتَغُوا مِنْ فَضْلِهِ وَلَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ This is what Allah says. He says, Your Lord knows what is hidden in your hearts and what you reveal. And He is Allah, there is no God except He, and for Him is all praise, 
in the early ones, in the later ones, and for him, I'm just doing a round, uh, I'm just doing a rough translation of this. For him is all the, the command and rule, and to him you're going to be returned. And then he asks that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was to make the night perpetual, talking about the bounty of the night and the daytime. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was to make the night constant, that the night never ended, imagine it. Imagine if the night never ended until the day of judgment. Is there another God, Allah asks? Man ilahun ghayrullah. Is there another God besides Allah who can bring you light? If Allah decided to make it night all the way, don't you listen, Allah says. And then he says that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had made the day constant, Right, that it just was day forever until day of judgment. I know there's parts of the world where it seems to be day for six months and night for six months where the sun either does not completely set. I've viewed that myself and witnessed that myself in northern uh, Norway, right in the North Cap, where the sun at 12 o'clock at night just came down to just above the horizon and did not set and it was still light, even though we're praying Isha prayer, right? And then for six months, it's dark. The sun does not rise in those places. However, what happens if it if it decides to remain the daytime right until the day of judgment and night never comes, is there another God that will bring you night? That's what Allah asks, that you could find some repose in. Don't you see? And then Allah says to tell us that these are bounties of Allah, that it's part of His mercy that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given for you the night and the day, so that, uh, sorry, the day and night, so that you can relax in them as well. And you can also seek out what is good for you. So in your daytime, you go and you earn, you earn for yourself. And in the nighttime, you relax. And so that you may be thankful. That was one verse that we, we have done. And the next verse is from the ending of Surah Ibrahim. Now listen to what Allah says. Don't ever, ever think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will go against His promise to His messenger, to His messengers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mighty and can take revenge. The day when the earth, and then Allah talks about the hereafter, the day the earth will be, will be changed to another earth. To another it looked totally different and likewise the heavens and Allah subhanahu they will all be presented for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the one and the overwhelming one you will then see the guilty ones you will then see the guilty ones on that day they will be chained up they will be shackled and and Allah discusses their clothing that it will be made of tar coal and there will be fire that will be enveloping their faces and Allah then says that this is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to recompense and give a reward for everybody for what they have earned. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very swift in taking punishment. And this is something that we want people to know, right? This is something that people should be warned, warned about and they should know that God is only one and the people of intellect are those who will uh, take heed from this and learn a lesson from this. Now you can tell that these are mucky verses. 
right? These are Makki verses because they discuss the concept of the hereafter, the oneness, they're establishing the main points first. So, alhamdulillah, we stop here. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all. May Allah bless us during this month of Ramadan and make it better and allow this journey through the Quran to make us close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to draw us closer to Allah, to give us a better understanding. So inshallah, by the end of this course, we should be very close to the Quran. We should have so much more understanding of the Quran, inshallah. Something that we should have done so long ago, right? Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah khair for listening. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you. And if you're finding this useful, you know, um, uh, as they say, do that like button and subscribe button and forward it on to others. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum. ورحمة الله وبركاته